0: You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy Seal Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better, do better, pay. and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day.
1: <clears> That's the start to the podcast from now on everybody. Now you can go, Jay.
2: How is our audio? Do we have good audio? We don't, you know, if you're listening My audio
1: is great. Your audio sucks always cuz you refuse to grade your shit.
2: I got a Yeti mic. If, if you're listening to this episode, hit me up, uh, whether via email, best hour of their day at gmail.com or DM us. Let us know how the audio is. What could be better is um, are we equal? Text
1: him. I'm, I'm going to send everybody your phone number. Text Jay, because he likes to be text. It is.
2: I don't mind. I'd rather you don't share my phone number, but I don't mind <laughs> if everybody no,
1: has... nose Hold nose. Hold. Write this down. <laughs>
2: I think it's weird that people will not give out their phone number because it all just goes to your phone. I understand like for you, for example, at the box, you've got your Google phone or whatever it is, et cetera. But really, if someone DMs you, they tweet at you, they shoot your face, it's all the same. It's all going, what's the difference? Somewhere along the way, we've thought because it's my number, it's more private.
1: I mean, I, there's a whole separate discussion that the idea of privacy is silly at this point. I mean, if you think you have privacy, you are delusional at best.
2: Right. That's my point. I mean, and it's so simple. If, if, if you did give out my phone number and I was getting crazy attacks, I didn't have to leave it. Or, you know, so what's the difference?
1: I mean, first of all, let's talk in, in reality. If I did put your phone number out there, nobody's calling you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: there there's not going to be this horde of Ackermanites that are gonna uh, are gonna uh, swarm you with uh you know messages of praise and and love voicemails it's just not happening as much as you would like to think you never the know. six people the six people that bought your book might text you first of all
2: I've sold seven officially now seven books have <laughs> been sold
1: fair enough
2: anyway One of them,
1: Your mom doesn't count. She can call you whenever she wants. She
2: bought five of them. (laughs) (laughs) She's giving them out to all her friends. And uh, my mom did reach out at one point. She was like, can I have a copy of your book? I was like, yeah, it's on Amazon, mom.
1: Yeah, it's 13 bucks. (laughs) Don't be cheap.
2: Support your son. (laughs) Oh, anyway, back in 2007, CrossFit was this dingy garage gym type thing. And I still think, you know, you and I, when we did our dropping in series, which by the way, people forget, it's on our YouTube channel, best hour of the day, 10 episodes are dropping in. But when we did that, one of the things we'd often show up and be like, oh, this is re- really reminiscent. This reminds me of old school CrossFit. Now, I think there's pros and cons to that. And what we want to discuss t- today is the impact of professionalization on CrossFit as a whole, but specifically the affiliates and the, the, the box owners. I mean, back in the day, it, we were at Albany CrossFit circa 2008, 9, 10. It was basically Animal House with working out. For sure. I think I mean, you were, I'm not saying you were there and you know it, but that's just even level, even seminars.
1: Were way different. I mean, it was, no, I mean, I mean, I was there and I am, I am aware, but my point is I, there, I think there's, there's, there's two, like what we, what you and I are referring to specifically in a lot of those dropping in episodes was just look and feel of the boxes is very nostalgic of, of the seven, you know, because the, obviously coaching has gotten better, you know, people have gotten better technically you know, there's a certain population of, of affiliates that have uh, advanced by large margins from this standpoint, um, but the, the gyms is probably what has probably made the most measurable leap as a whole, which is it kind of understands that a, 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 a dingy, grungy, musty, gross gym isn't cool anymore. It never really was. It never really was cool, to be honest. It it was just new, and nobody knew any better.
2: I don't know because I think when I grew up, I I, you know my first job at Club Fit, and that was my first gym. Was it was your very shiny you know pool, hot racquetball courts, etc. And then just got used to it. And then you know went to college, and Gold's gyms were clean. But I worked at a gym called New Physique. And it was like...
1: Where are these gyms that you worked at, dude? Albany, New York. New Physique. It was
2: next door to a Quiznos. So, of course, in college, I would work out. And then I would go to Quiznos. A foot-long sandwich? Yeah, but I would get a grilled chicken with cheese and you know thinking i'm eating healthy meanwhile meeting
1: i did 15 minutes of cardio sir i will have one foot of bread thank you
2: (laughs) um and and for good measure throw a a lot of blue cheese on there yeah I i would get grilled chicken with wing sauce and blue cheese and it was like my way of getting healthy wings i was like oh this is really good for you it's not a wing but it tastes like one i was like toast that bread up so it's you know like fried anyway but it was, you know, a little bit dingier. And then I got a job at an old school YMCA and it was just dirty. Like you, the the weight portion was in the basement and it was like old school weights. None of them matched, they were rusty. And I think because I grew up watching like the Arnold Schwarzenegger in Venice Beach and working out on the beach, you're just kind of like, okay, this is cool. Like this is this is what a gym should feel like. So when when CrossFit came about and you would watch Old age, H- I mean, look at the old HQ videos, or I don't even know if you would call it HQ, but basically, you know, Glassman and Santa Cruz with Amundsen and Annie and Nicole, you know, whether you're watching Nasty Girls or G.I. Jane, you're just like this idea that you can get really fit and in great shape anywhere
1: it was cool. Yeah, I, I, no, 100%. I think, I think what's always been cool, you know, to, uh, to a, uh fringe group if you will is like yeah this idea of like hard work and i would admittedly i think that f- that fringe group is actually getting smaller not bigger um yeah. but that that was the cool part i don't think gross is cool i don't think gross has ever been cool it was just overshadowed by hey this is like this is where you go to like legit work hard like you know because i can't do that at a regular gym because they don't either have the equipment it's it, they don't have some of these you know kind of specialty pieces of equipment um there's not the the group of people who are getting after it you you know you know you think of like i've never been to west side i've seen a lot of videos of west side and pictures and photos and stuff like that and west side is cool but i don't think it's cool because it's clean you know it's cool because of what happens in there that's why it's cool And that's where, that's where CrossFit became cool because there was something happening and still is in CrossFit affiliates that was not happening anywhere else. That's what made it cool.
2: But don't you think there's some sort of correlation there between, hmm, how do I say this? Willingness to like, just for me, for example, start a gym in a racquetball court with no flooring and piece together equipment and your willingness to, you know, it's, it's kind of like risk tolerance, you know, I'm I'm diving into the crypto world, you know, and I and I talked to you about it and a couple other buddies, and it's 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 very reminiscent to me of CrossFit back in two thousand six seven, where it's like, oh, is this gonna stick around? Is this worth it? You know, it the risk is you know, in this case, money versus injury or you know all those things, and I think this it's like taking a genius. You take Coach Glassman, who many people will say is a genius, and then also say, "Hey, there's some crazy there," and you know it's it's that idea of can you have one without the other? Can can you have a shiny, spotless CrossFit, but also have the magic of CrossFit? Because I think it yep. gets The a answer
1: is yes. I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I agree I, with actually, you. The answer is actually, yes. I know the answer is yes. I agree. And, and 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 that is what I think should be the goal. That's my personal opinion. Like my, well, why, my why
2: they, like you have a really beautiful box. Cross and rife is I mean, I
1: don't, don't know. Sometimes agree. I wanna sometimes I wanna blow it up. Like it's as good as it's gonna get I'm in a warehouse, right? Like there's some things I could do to spruce it up, but I, I do think it is nicer and bigger than a lot of gyms. Now there's some other gyms like make me feel inadequate as a man right like that's that's a real thing um you know would love to have those but i would not love to have them at the expense of like doing hard work
2: for, for like what would you what would you add to your box right now what would you change
1: the, the building is just really old right. like really old and there's like a lot of shitty parts to it so the thing i can do about that, like, that that's that's not going to incur to like paint the ceilings and do some other stuff done a ton of stuff over the, the what, 11 years we've been in this facility uh, with expansions and adding things like it's cool, but it's cool as it's going to get,
2: you But know. that's an interesting thought because that's probably a big reason when CrossFit first came about that they were opening in these, you know, rundown and dirty places where a they're cheaper So yeah, I can get a warehouse for significantly cheaper. And then, you know, when you think about rundown, it was like, well, you could, there wasn't Rogue. Like nowadays, if you go to Rogue, your gym naturally looks better because it's cleaner equipment. It's, you know, the design layout of it is beautiful. All that, you know, it matches, et cetera. So, but I, but I think, yeah, like when I opened in 2007, when you opened in what, 2009, it, it's almost like you're forced to be still in, in that kind of like, Hey, this is a dirty thing because that's the only way you're going to get that many square footage in, in nice areas. I mean, what, what, oh, what yeah, my, I mean, my third box was really, you know, it was as close as you can get to a globo gym. But then again, I think naturally CrossFits will look like that simply because it isn't machine-based. It's just a floor. Like while the equipment's off the floor, you basically, you right. walk in, if you were new, you'd be like, Oh, they have a few rowers. They've got this big contraption in the middle
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: then they've got uh, a lot of rubber matting.
1: Right. So obviously there's tangible things in regard to why most gyms look the way they do. Number one cost. it's cheaper to get in the warehouse and number two layout. It's really hard to get a, a, a very blank canvas in retail spaces in a warehouse. It's, it's intentionally open because it's not, it's just used for storage in most instances, like, or, or some sort of like factory type setting. So, Those are the two things that lend themselves to what CrossFit facilities want and need to have in their facilitate. CrossFit It's like, I need rigs, uh, I need things mounted to the wall, I need a lot of open floor space so we can have barbells and all that kind of stuff. So, those are the two big things. However, you know, having done for a while, I would absolutely prefer to have something, you know, minus the equipment that when you walk in, my first thought is that, man, this really looks nice this place is nice like this place is is almost bougie but like without the bougie at it right like it's nice but this still says work which is kind of like how I would describe rogue in general like their stuff is nice but but it's built for and based on its utility yeah you know it's kind of like a visually that you would want in a crossfit gym it's like i would want all the things of you know cycle like all of very nice flashy stuff, mining of bikes and stuff isn't you know not really that useful. just like replace it with equipment that we would use barbell sandbags, pull up rig, all that kind of stuff ropes
2: yeah, it kind of like reminds me you you could see that in the car world like a jeep like jeeps aren't right. cheap. they're super functional, but they also are like to to the right eye if you're a jeep fan, they look right super, like you said, bougie. And the same goes with a CrossFit. I think it's one of those things where because we are experienced, the listeners, they're experienced, they can walk in. And, you know, a great example, we used it recently from our Dropping In series, that Hayes Barton box that was super small. So, right. you know, a nice rig. You walk in and you're like, and that was in like the prime, you know, what do they call it? Like the five corners or something?
1: Yeah, something like that. You know, so like five points down. maybe. And, yeah. you know,
2: it reminds me even of like, yoga studios like you don't have to be this huge space it can be this nice tiny area and but you can make it look like
1: i think we were just like that was like a speakeasy of store prior to that it was like a bar prior to that or something like that which is cool you know
2: and you say the same thing in bars like you can have this bar that you have to walk down like a creaky flight of stairs and there's cobwebs and then you open up the doors and it's like a beautiful neon sign and they've got top of you know top shelf whiskey so that you know you can have that but let's let's talk about this do we think that crossfit is now going too far And you know there's this term of you know turn pro and professionalization and be the ceo all of those types of things is that ultimately good for crossfit or is this going to be detrimental you know it's it's when I, when you first start CrossFit, you know, you and I both Dave Matthews band fans. Like, I saw Dave play for 2,000 people in upstate New York. And then a year later, I had to, you know, buy tickets to sit on a lawn amongst 30,000 people. And I think people right. felt the same way about CrossFit. Like, I kind of want to tell my buddy about it, but I also don't want this to explode because I'm enjoying this. Do we think ultimately this professionalization is good or bad for for affiliate
1: owners, for and for coaches? I think everything works. It just depends on how you do it. So it could still play in a speakeasy, and it would be very limited. And the people that would want that pay out the nose for it. And then there's other people who just want to sit in the lawn. And there's people like me who started sitting in the lawn, and they're like, I want to sit in the box seats. I want to pay the $300 VIP ticket go, you know, in the bar and hang out and sit down and be close and do all that stuff. And, you know, so, no, but to your point, yes, I think the professionalization, the professionalization of CrossFit is not only good, but I genuinely believe that it will reverse the, the general thoughts and, 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 and frame the conversation around this hopefully. And I think Jim should move in that direction. Yeah. However, uh, go well,
2: on. something you said that's interesting. It's like, yeah, and and there's nothing wrong with along the way just deciding, hey, you know, and, and that's how I was with Dave Matthews, for example. I'd be like, cool, I'll spend 500 bucks for front row tonight. Like, you know, you you you. You ultimately attract a different audience, I guess, is, is one way to look at it, right? You know, you know we, we preach.
1: That, yeah, that's the beauty of the affiliate model is I can choose to do either or. I can build the 30,000 uh, seat arena or I could do it in a speakeasy. I could do it in a, you know, in a to a crowd of 200. And, and you will get the people that are looking for both of those experiences, like who don't want to pay $300, who want to pay $65 for lawn seats and, and, and smuggle, you know, Jack Daniels in their pants. That- yeah. I, I definitely never did, but the you know, know. so you
2: have a the but the point you
1: have a flask. I have a lot of flasks. My wife has flasks too. We we have yeah. we have matching flasks. The um so but here here's here's more to my point is currently I think the great travesty of CrossFit in general is that there are very few professionals. If you think about the size of the CrossFit community, right. And then we pull out people who make a living doing CrossFit. The percentage uh, is—I don't—I don't believe it's anything to be proud of. Really? And this is this is not a shot at anybody, right? So this is this—I'm not blaming anybody. This is not like I poo-poo in CrossFit. I'm not. I think it was an unintended co- consequence that nobody could have possibly predicted, and I—and th- which is why I'm so adamant about this, about what we do with Affiliate You, because I don't think there is an overwhelming population of people who earn a living as professionals coaching CrossFit there's box. And I mean, even that population is largely underwater with regard to affiliate ownerships and making the money they want and and doing the things they want to do. And then hiring other people and coaching stuff like that. So that, you know, after, what are we, 20 years into this roughly? 2002 first box.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, we're coming up so, on twenty years of CrossFit.
1: I mean Yeah, twenty, years, 20 years yeah, twenty years of, of like uh, of affiliate 20, 20 years of affiliates, right? So like I think so uh yeah, two thousand two. So I have that t shirt from uh from TJ Cooper from CrossFit East, it has two thousand two on it. So that I think is the great travesty, which we need to fix because TJ
2: Cooper but, on the show,
1: by the way. We do need to get TJ Cooper on the show. Um need to go shoot some guns with that dude too. But the but that i think is is currently the great travesty and why crossfit has not grown to be the just industry leader across the board that when we think about hey what is the best protocol with which to get people fit make sure it's for longevity increase health and wellness have good conversations about nutrition and you know train people to use their bodies functionally like we all know that there is no better protocol than CrossFit. But why are not more people earning a living? Why are are there not like just massive stables of coaches that work in profitable gym that are earning a living changing people's lives? It's kind of weird when you say it out loud. It's just like, I'm changing. Like, Why would there not be an overwhelming group of people in a profession that literally changes people's lives that saves lives that reverses the tides of chronic disease that we have in the united states I'll why tell you. i think i think it's multifaceted but the question is something we should be asking ourselves every day like why the fuck is that the case do, do you want the answer because i have it give it to me bro
2: okay i'm gonna tell you why but first we should do a shout out to doc spartan man you like how i did that I, I love
1: the, don't. A like right now, the listeners are like, oh, "I, shit. Actually, I don't." I'm drop a knowledge bomb, which I am. I'm, I'm so aggravated that what I would do right now is, if I had my Doc Spartan, I, eye, eye savior bomb, I would be rubbing it underneath my eyes so that I would stop squinting you so angrily right now because right? that shit is, that stuff is legit. It's like coffee for your eyeballs.
2: Your eyes, so much younger looking than mine right now. Look at my eyes. Right. Look, oh, I look, look like I'm eighty-ish
1: you definitely look at least 52 those bags underneath your eyes those are rough so you should buy some i have it it's great it literally smells like coffee as well
2: well i got the coffee scrub too which i don't know i should ask dale about this but i'm nervous to use it at night because i'm afraid it'll wake me up i don't know if that's true
1: meaning the caffeine just inhaling the caffeine
2: inhaling it like putting it in your skin is ingesting it right
1: uh i don't know if it's ingesting it i think it will be absorbed i think that's the wrong use of the term ingesting but yeah, the uh probably the okay. um yeah so that however i do i do agree with you so this is rare wait about I agree with you about... about sex panther it does smell great
2: you look i mean you look younger
1: I, there's a lot. You've I got a lot of things money. going. I yeah. I, there's a lot of things going for me. I got some sun. I got some good vitamin D. I trained twice this month. You're gonna so be younger than your things, kids. Things are on the up and up. I spent 50 minutes in the sauna today. Just You're in sauna already. Mentally punishing myself. What's that?
2: Sauna's an evening thing for me.
1: Uh it's not happening in the evening for me. <laughs> morning i prefer to do it i prefer to do it in the morning it like really kind of resets my brain but How long um, do, you do but yeah i did 50 minutes today at 148 wait
2: 50 oh. you say uh 150 yeah
1: 158 at, uh no 50 minutes at 148 degrees 15 or 50 one uh so five zero
2: oh that's great yeah i try to do if i'm gonna get in the song especially because mine's in the basement i got to turn it on and everything I try to go 45. Well, it's usually
1: on there's a couple of folks that pop in in the 6 a.m. So it's usually on
2: good for an infrared
1: one. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's regularly goes to 158 157 here, which if I want to feel like I'm like a mental toddler, like just weak, then I'll go and I'll get in there and I will like today, the last 10 minutes I was like struggle bus. I was like I was like sitting on the bench, like just like hands on my knees, just like like just couldn't do anything other than just like stare at the clock and be like, make five more minutes, make five more minutes.
2: I'm going to get a barrel sauna too, I think here. Cause it gets a little hotter. I think they have different- no,
1: it gets a lot hotter. You can push over 200 degrees in a barrel. Yeah. Sauna.
2: But you don't, you don't hang like the infrared. You're in there for quite some time. I actually try to do like, yeah, my- you might
1: do 10, 15 minutes in a barrel sauna at any given point.
2: Yeah. I do like a little, My I try to do my meditation in the sauna. I try yeah. to get bang for my buck. So but- anyway,
1: buy, st- buy stock, buy doc Spartan Use user the- code.
2: Best hour, fifteen. Best
1: hour. No. If you're watching, it,
2: if you're watching this YouTube video. Don't let my eyes be any indication of Doc's Spartan.
1: Well, you need the eye stuff, dude. You
2: don't. have the eye stuff. I'm. You, but I also have a. You got to
1: use it. Time. It's like uh, having a barbell. You don't get stronger if you don't, don't actually lift. Every morning, but
2: I got a. I got a three-month-old, and and, and truth be told, I had. I'll, I'll give you the truth. You want the truth? Awesome. I
1: got. I got two kids, dude. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Except, you know, I live in Colorado. I. I took a little too much of my my sleepy time pill
0: last right. night. Yeah. I think that's yeah, actually burned. what's causing yeah. these it eyes. Burned. I might
2: have overdid it the sleepy time yeah. pill. You've heard me talk about it before, and I'm truly not joking. I'm being 100% genuine. I love Doc Spartan products. I use it every day. I talk about the Sex Panther Beard Balm. That's literally what is in my beard right now, and I use all of the scrubs, my favorite being the coffee scrub, just in the shower, gives you the tingles, gives you the feels. I love it. And there's so many other great products. I use their deodorant. I've used their hand care when I've had tears. Just check them out. It's a veteran owned, You know, guy that was in the military serving our country, Dale. I got to know him over the years and he's just a great dude. And I started buying his products and He reached out to me and said, Hey, we want to support the show and we appreciate it. And I just want you guys to not only support doc Spartan and Dale, but also reap the benefits. If you want to be sexy like me, then you want to check out doc Spartan products, 15% off with the code best hour. That's best hour for 15% off anything at their website, DocSpartan.com. Check out the coffee scrub and definitely check out the beard bomb and ladies there's stuff for you too so head on over to docsbarn.com use the code best hour and save 15 yeah. percent.
1: so anyway okay. back to seriousness thing. what do you what do you what do you think is the issue i'm
2: gonna tell you what it is it takes balls that's what it is and i'm gonna explain myself no one as you're growing up when you're a kid is like hey maybe one day you're gonna be in Coach, and you're gonna help people change their lives. Like you'll be a doctor, you'll be a lawyer, you'll be a teacher, you'll be a nurse. Like there's all of these professions out there. And no one says like my parents to this day, I'll be 43 in a couple of weeks. When are you getting a real job? Meanwhile, I've made more money in my career than any of my parents. One was a doctor, a a dentist. Like he, he made good money, don't get me wrong. And he sold his practice and his land that he owned, my father I'm talking about. So he probably did pretty well. But my mother was a teacher. My stepfather you know, had a job for, I believe he worked for like Prodigy back in the day, AT&T, my stepmother, et cetera. Like, and they're still questioning. I'm like, I've, wrote, I've written a book, mom. Like, you know, go buy it on Amazon. Like I've, I've, we, we coached dozens, hundreds of people. Like I've traveled the world doing this thing. I've owned half a dozen or more businesses. You know, that I think that's the big disconnect. Like people don't equate, this is professional and this can be. It's not at the point yet. People look at you, me, and, and a handful of others out there in this space as the minority. And until that shifts to, hey, that's an option. I can achieve that as well. It will continue to be, well, you know, this is a transitional job, or you know, you can do this out of college, but eventually you'll need to get a real job. You know, I, I, I truly think that's, that's what it is. And, and that's kind of like, yes, it needs to, but I don't think, I don't think it requires professionalization. If anything, I, you know, I think it it, it potentially requires less because you need people like you and me, and I'm not trying to be cocky or arrogant, but you need people like us that are just like, Hey, we are unapologi- unapologetically who we are. And because those are the people that are going to make big changes in this world, right? Like you and I read a lot. We listen to a lot of self-help books and biographies. Like none of them are like, okay, then I went to high school and then I graduated college in four years. And then I went on to my postdoc degree. It's all, it's always like I dropped out of college and started this firm or I did this and that, like, those are the people that are going to make waves and make changes. And I think for the listeners, like it has to be scary. It has to have that risk reward. And, and you have to be willing to put in the work. I mean, I graduated college in 2000 and it wasn't until at least 2009, probably 10, that I felt confident in how much money. I mean, I was really, you know, I, I wasn't struggling. I wasn't on the streets, but I mean, driving old cars, living in the ghettos, like living in basement apartments. Eventually I bought a house, you know, way smaller than, you know, anyone desires their home to be back in the day you know the, but it was something it was just like a, a, a dream that i never gave up on and i think that's really what it comes down to if if you want to be successful you have to be willing to take that risk and you have to be willing you know to to put it all on the line and and go against the grain what do you think
1: i agree with all of that and i would i would add one more thing to that which is i i really and this is why i think people gravitate towards this podcast, to be honest with you, I think people should be way more honest about what affiliate ownership is like. The number of people that I talk to and that, that you and I have both talked to, and it's like, listen, shit is hard. It's going to be stressful. What you are about to embark on might be the hardest thing you've ever done. And they're like, ah, it's going to be fun. And then a weekend, being you know, on a phone call with somebody crying, they're just like, "I don't want to do this anymore." I'm like, "I told you." Now, that's not to scare anybody away. I don't want anybody scared. I, I think, you know, there's a there's a quote that Joe Rogan likes to reference, and it, it, it's really been rattling around in my brain for a long time. Most men lives live lives of quiet desperation, Most and
2: men live lives of quiet desperation. I like that.
1: And what? gets me fired up is I think the current state of affiliate ownership, and I'm just going to fucking say it is like, I think most affiliate owners live a life of quiet desperation. And that needs to change. And the first way to change it is having a conversation and being very upfront be like, Hey, shit is hard. If you want to run a profitable business, you got to be good at a lot of stuff. And it's going to take a while. And you probably need to get somebody to teach you how to do that shit be sleepless nights. You're going to cut checks that you are not sure are really going to go out there. You're going to hire people that you regret hiring and then have to fire them. You're going to deal with shitty clock. You're going to have to get up at 5 a.m. or earlier and then go to bed or get home at 8 p.m. And you might have to do that for six months to a year. However, if you do that, and you continue to improve your skill set, and you continue to put in the work, and you continually to just like, you know, why gap, make a little improvement here, make a little improvement there. You will come out on the other side. That pain will end, and you will have something that is so tremendous and soaring that I couldn't possibly be you. Like it's, I couldn't put it in words. The words don't exist for it. But I want people to have a more honest conversation about that. And just be like, hey, put up your affiliate, and if you build it, they will come. No. That is not how it works. You know, I, hard, but it is rewarding.
2: Yeah, and I think that you know would be building on what I said is exactly what you said, and part of it is, you know, I only using myself as an example. It was like, okay, not only am I, you know, I guess you're like betting on yourself to some extent. You know, you, you're you're just saying, okay, I believe in this thing, and I'm gonna ride it. You know. The, the period of 2000 to 2007 for me, it would have been so much easier. I had a master's degree to go be a teacher, to go be a social worker. And, you know, while I guess I was hedging my bets, like continuing to stay in school, I always looked at it as like, yeah, it's a backup plan, but you have to be willing to, to bet on yourself. And then here's the other thing that you've done well, that I've done well, that if you look at the generation of people that came on seminar staff when we did, you know, that 2000, uh, you know, pre 2012 13 era you know, who've been on for eight, 10 years, here's what it was. It was those people that not only bet on themselves, but man, we put in the work to get better and constantly improved. I mean, when I didn't have any money, I flew to California to take my level two, right? When I didn't have any money, I remember traveling up and down the East Coast taking every specialty seminar I could, which then led me to working with Coach Ripito, which then led me to interning on staff, you know? So it's it's not only just like you have to have balls, but you have to have balls and you have to bet on yourself and you have to put in the work. And, and this goes back to what you're saying, like you, 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 you have to be, you know, understanding, hey, this isn't going to be, e-. you're not choosing the easy path,
1: but- And you are going to lose. I, don't, I mean, I just don't know how to say that. Like, you are going to lose. You, there will be some ideas that will fall flat. There will be things that you think are going to make money that will absolutely not. It will cost you money. There will be times when you will not make the money that, that you think and that you think your entire world view of how things work. Like, all that shit is real. And, and losing and,
2: doesn't mean only money, right? I mean, I lost – I mean, Friends. Friends. I, I, you know, here's, a, here's an interesting story. And he's, to this day, one of my best friends – I was the best man at his wedding. He was the best man at my wedding. We you know, went to college together. 2000, must've been like 2008, we were all turning 30 and he had this huge party in New York and I happened to be in New York but I was interning at a seminar and we went out to dinner with Coach Glassman and Chuck Carswell was there and I didn't make it to his party and he got really upset with me. And it was a decision I had to make, like this is good for, like I don't know that it was right or wrong but it was good for my career. I mean, to this day, when I speak to Coach Glassman, we reference that dinner because it was just an amazing. Pat Sherwood was there. E.C. Sincal, It was like the who's it? Bosman was there. David Osorio. Super fancy freaking restaurant in Brooklyn. But point is, like, you, you have to be willing to make those decisions. i I. How many relationships that I was in ended? How like friendships that I lost? Like not seeing family on. The holidays, et cetera. And, and you have to be willing to take those risks. So losing doesn't only look fine. I mean, losing was stress. We talked about it when, recently when members would leave and I would freak out, you know, there's, there's so many ups and downs, but never wavering, never changing your mind. And I think that was it. You know, my mentor used to say, you know, being an entrepreneur doesn't mean you own your own business. It simply means you're taking responsibility for your life. And if you're listening to this, and you're a level one coach, or two, or or you know three or four for that matter, I mean, yeah, there's no fours. I'm the only four. Let's be honest. But you know, if you're a level three, like Fern, like give yourself something to shoot for. But the the point is, you know that that is being an entrepreneur, not going about you know getting a job at AT and T like my stepfather did. Saying, hey, I'm gonna go to this gym. And I mean, when I was before CrossFit. Every day I would drive 50 miles coaching at three or four gyms, Pilates and yoga and this and that. That's the life of an entrepreneur. And it's it's not for everyone.
1: It's not for the faint of heart. And, and and I don't I don't want to have this conversation to scare the shit out of people. Like I don't.
2: You should be like you should be scared. You shouldn't go into this. Like you said, too many people. I'm gonna it's like crypto. I'm gonna put some money in crypto and I'm gonna be a millionaire tomorrow. No there's going to be ups and downs and it's, you know, and, and it's if
1: you about game, GameStop, you might be, but
2: speaking of, I was looking at GameStop again yeah. today,
1: but, but I, I see where you're going, which is like, you have to be able to, you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to put yourself out there you have to be willing to lose you have to be willing to stay up all night and you know give up your weekends to work on the facility and get your ass up early and put in extra work and deal with people's shitty attitudes and you know deal with human resources issues with like the coach has an issue with a client and you got to go talk to both of them about that and 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 be you know uh, a life coach that you're not qualified to be like all those things are real and all I want people to do is approach it without rose colored lenses on i want you to look at this very real which is like this is hard right it's hard but at the same time what are we doing with our time here if we're not pursuing something that is hard to achieve like collectively just as people human beings roaming this earth what are we doing like if you're not a if you're not if you are not pursuing something worth having that has that impacts society then again i do think that falls in that 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 life of quiet desperation. You know, I feel, I think affiliate owners are are a unique version of that, which is they do that because they want to do, they want the impact, but then they get stuck in this martyrdom and they don't know what to do and and how to break out of that so that they can have greater impact. You know, the the number of phrases that you hear out there is like, I don't want to make money. I don't want a 300 person gym. Like I just want to be able to do just this. And I'm like, those are all, people selling themselves short and fooling themselves.
2: Don't you think they're doing it to protect their ego?
1: It, it, it's a lie that we tell ourselves for any number of reasons, which is the substitute for, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. I've told myself that lie in, I don't know, 100 million different variations. And then you know I'm reading the four the four agreements right now and it's just like, like the simplicity that. the simplicity of that book that it just like if you just use those things you know but
2: be impeccable with your word be
1: impeccable with your world don't think don't take things personally um do your best and why am I blanking on the third one?
2: Fourth
1: one. No do your best is the fourth one but I can't remember what the uh, uh, very- the third one
2: I'm gonna look it up here we go.
1: But no. um
2: what is the main
1: anyway but there, there's the simplicity of there, which is like when you're talking about be impeccable word, they're not just, they're not referring to just be impeccable with your word with other people. They're talking about be impeccable with your word with yourself. Like, don't lie to yourself. What are the agreements that you have with yourself?
2: Don't make assumptions. That,
1: don't make assumptions is the third one. Yeah. So and again, all of these fit into this conversation they're having. Is just like be impeccable with your word. Like if you're gonna do this, like tell yourself that you're really gonna do it. You're not gonna do it half ass. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna plan to keep this other job forever because then I'm never making the leap. You know, I'm not gonna take things personally when shit goes wrong, or the landlord is mean to me, or my clients leave, or my coach doesn't want to work there anymore. Then they leave to start their own gym. You know, and don't make assumptions about what you do or don't know. Learn, educate yourself. And then all of that is wrapped up with do your best because you don't have all the answers. You're going to fail. You're going to fall down. It's going to be difficult. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt your emotions. You're going to have to go through some growth stages where you leave people behind because they are not ready to make that journey with you. All of that is part of the battle. And if I keep all of that in context and say, listen, I've got a goal. I want to do this. I want to impact people's lives. I want to give other people the opportunity to impact people's lives. What do I need to do in order to make that happen? Well, I need to learn some shit. And I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm going to go find out, right? Maybe it's about business. Maybe it's about training. Maybe it's about sales. Maybe it's about social media. I don't know. Here's the newsflash. It's all those things at different phases during your development. And I just want people to be more realistic about that conversation because this is how we get past that. This is how we pull affiliate owners out of this quiet life of desperation where they don't know what to do. And it's just like, well, you know, I just really like having the gym. And I'm like, you know what you'd really love more? your gym crushing it and having an awesome staff and you being able to do the things you want to and be able to help more people. That's what you'd really love. And don't fool yourself into thinking you won't because you would, I promise you. I've met people like that. And I'm like, that's what I want. I want to help more people. I want to do the things that I want to do. I want to provide more opportunity. I want to pass on knowledge. Dude,
2: I love it. It's getting me fired up. Another quote that I think about often, and I think it kind of goes along with this is, the unexamined life is not worth living by Socrates. And I think a lot of what we're saying is that, it's just like, I love the four grooms. I think it's a great book, by the way, I highly recommend it. And just thinking about what Socrates says, I think for so many people, it, it, going back to my statement, you know, what, what is it? It's like, it takes balls. It's, I mean, this is a whole nother, you know, tangent and topic, but it's just, we grow up in this world where it's like, do this, do this, do this. And being an affiliate owner, or any sort of CrossFit coach or or any coach for that matter is really against the grain of society. And it was just, I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm like this, uh, you know, unicorn that, you know, always went against the grain and conformity, et cetera. Like I definitely wasn't that person, but when it came to work, I, for some reason, just always in my heart and head was like, this is like a big chunk of my life. I only wanna do things that I enjoy doing. And yes, you know, we, we talk about time and place and I got lucky CrossFit came in and that idea of chase excellence by coach Glassman and the money will follow. Like I believed in it, you know, head down and now look where we are all these years later. But I think for those listening, I hope that they realize like, let's assume you get a good night's sleep and you sleep eight hours a day and you have 16 left. 50% or more of that is at work. I mean, and that's not including your commute and all that stuff. Like, I can't imagine spending 50% of my life doing something I don't enjoy. I mean, look, it's bad enough that two hours of my week are spent with you recording these podcasts. Imagine if the rest of them were spent doing other things I didn't enjoy.
1: I would go further than that. And imagine taking something that brings you so much joy that you that you got into, because it inspired you so much that then turns into something that brings you so much fear and stress and pain. I don't, I can't think of anything worse than that, right? Be Hey, I, this was this thing. And then I, because of my own beliefs or whatever's going on in there, it, it morphs into this thing that I dread. I was thinking about this morning, I got to the gym. I was just like more than average fired up today, like in a good way. Like, oh, I in, like I walked in, I walked in, and I was just like sprinkling people with good vibes. Like there's just like, you know, oddly enough, you guys don't know. Like I'm the happy person. Jay is Mister Downer. Like that's just the way it works. In
2: private. And,
1: right. And I was thinking about it. It's just like I fucking love my job. Like I can't. I I cannot imagine doing anything else. I'm like I get to walk in here, and I get to work with people that want to be here and give a shit about their health. And I have awesome staff who are like, not just great people, but really fucking good at what they do. And then I get to turn around and, you know, have like a subpar host for this podcast that I get to pull along with me. And then I get to talk to affiliate owners and like help them through that journey. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. This is great.
2: Yeah. Like Ross, like yesterday, for example, unique day, but I ran a level one webinar and then I coached for three hours And I got home and my brain was a little fried, like I've been talking to people online in person, but it was like this weird energy. Like I just, you feel good. Your job, when you leave, whether it's shutting down your computer at home, if you're virtual or get in your car and drive home, I would say you should feel good. Like what other thing do you do for six, seven, eight hours a day that leaves you feeling bad after?
1: I can't wait to get back to the gym. Yeah. I mean. I, I, I spend it. so much time here. It's a running joke between my wife and I. she's like, when are you coming home? I'm like, I've been leaving in five minutes. She's like, I'll see you in two hours. And I'm like, you're probably right. You know, like that happens all the time. And I'm not so, I want to be very clear about why I'm bringing this up. Very clear. I am not bringing this up to be like, I'm so awesome. I'm bringing this up because if you're listening to this, I've been the other guy where I do not want to go to the gym, where I want to burn that thing down, when I want to opt out of my lease and just pay the tens of thousands of dollars to just leave it all behind and not deal with things. And I hate my coaching staff and all this other stuff. But I left that. And that's what I want people to move to. Like you do not have to live that life. You do not have to live this life of quiet desperation as a martyr feeling good because you taught a couple people the air squat. It can be so much more. The problem is you're going to have to make a leap. It's going to have to happen. You're going to have to make a decision and, I don't know, sell your car or do something and invest it back into the gym or make that hire that you don't want to make. You're going to have to make that leap. And it might not work out the first time. But if you keep trying... Eventually, you will sort it out. That's what I want people thinking about because that is how CrossFit explodes to what it actually should be based on what we all know it can do, which is change lives. That's what I want people to do, and it's hard. But again, shit that is hard is really worth pursuing.
0: So you never miss an episode of the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.